It's great to see so many of you visiting today. As, as Helen said, the youth are away today and they're youth leaders. So we pray, Lord. Father, we pray for our youth this morning and the leaders there and the other youth that are there this morning at this, this camp. That you'd encourage them as they meet now. Encourage them, strengthen them, bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm trying to make a habit of trying to pray for, thi- pray for things through the day. So anything comes to mind, let me encourage you to make that a habit for yourself as well. Anybody who comes to mind, anything that comes to mind, just pray. Why not pray? Talk to your father through the day. You don't have to just pray in the morning or in, the, in a meeting. Pray all the time. Make it a habit. And I'm trying to do that. So let's try and do that. So if you could turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 14. There's Bibles on the side. I don't know if a text is going to come up behind me, but we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the first few verses of that. Um, we've been going through the book of 1 Corinthians over quite, a, quite some time now, and we are there's so much in there, such a variety of things, and we are looking today at the gift of prophecy And next week, we're going to be speaking on the gift of tongues, God willing. So let me just, for example, let me just read to you 1 Corinthians 14, 39 to 40, the end of this chapter. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy. Say, be eager. Yeah? And do not forbid speaking in tongues. But everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. So you can see there. There's two ideas, tongues and prophecy. And we're going to look at those over the next two weeks. And even two weeks, I hasten to add, is not really enough time. Two short messages is not enough time to cover these subjects thoroughly. Here's a couple of books to recommend to you. The Beginner's Guide to Prophecy. And we're all beginners, aren't we? All the time. We're always beginning. Uh, The Gift of Prophecy by Sam Storms. And then there's a, a more sort of solid book as it were, a thicker book, Wayne Grudem, The Gift of Prophecy. And they're both very good. And ultimately, I encourage you, read 1 Corinthians 14 yourself more thoroughly. Look at the blogs this week as I'll go into this in some detail. Pray about it, think about it, Look, study it yourself. What does this teach? There's lots of interesting stuff in there. So let's make a start. So let's 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, one to five. Follow the way of love. Eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. For everyone who speaks in a tongue, and again, you may not know what that means, but we'll talk about that next week, in tongues, does not speak to people, but to God. Instead, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. Follow the way of love, it says there. Eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Now the context, 
of this, 1 Corinthians, is that the church were really into spiritual gifts, really into the various gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to people, particularly when you meet together. And they were really into speaking in tongues, it seems. Speaking in tongues in a way which wasn't helpful to the church, chaotically. They were also prophesying, and I'll explain what that means in a minute, in a way which wasn't helpful to the church. So Paul is writing to them to correct their misuse of the gifts. And I hasten to add, he doesn't correct them by saying don't use them. He corrects them by saying use them correctly. And as we've been looking at, haven't we, about love. Love is the motivation for using gifts. Love is the motive. Why do we use gifts of the Holy Spirit? So that we love each other. And what do we mean by loving each other? Doing good for each other. When we use the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it's meant to help each other. It's not, to, it's not for self-aggrandizement, is it? It's not so that you look good or spiritual. Jesus talks about that quite a lot, doesn't he? It's called hypocrisy, looking a certain way, praying out loud so you look spiritual, prophesying, bringing words, doing spiritual things to make you look amazing and boost your ego and your status in the church. It's common for all of us. To, be, to, be, to bring hype, to, get, to try and hype people up, to want people to applaud you and to lift you up and say how amazing you are. And, and, and Jesus, uh, Jesus and Paul is saying, gifts are for the good of others, to, to help them and to build them up. Love, as we've been looking at just prior to this, why does Paul talk about love in 1 Corinthians 13? It's not so that we've got messages for weddings, he talks about love in 1 Corinthians 13 so that we would know how to use gifts. Do you see that? He did, he, the context is not about this is how you need to be husbands and wives or girlfriends, boyfriends, although it is obviously helpful. It's how you use the gifts of the Holy Spirit in love. And again, you can go and study love as we've been doing quite in depth over the last few weeks. This is the context. This is our context. What, spiritual gifts are to be used in love to build each other up. So if we want church growth in the right sense of the word of church growth, in maturity and obviously people being saved and added, if we want church, the church to grow, spiritual gifts are one of the ways that that happens. And this is my uh, summary of my message this morning. Again, if you go away with nothing else, go away with this. God continues to speak today, and he wants to speak to you and through you. Let's say that together, can we? Just repeat after me. God continues to speak today, and he wants to speak to you, and he wants to speak through you. Okay? Just so good. God, speak, God is alive. Jesus is risen from the dead. He speaks in many ways. He obviously, I mean, I, I'll talk about it in detail, but this is the basic point. We have a relationship with God. He speaks to us and he wants to speak through us to build others up in the use of the gifts. So God wants to speak to you. 
He speaks today. Let's be excited about this. Let's be proactive about hearing God's voice. I try and do this thing every morning. When I read the Bible, I would meditate on a text of Scripture and I'll seek God, what do you want to say to me through this? My aim being that every day I want to be able to say, what's God speaking to me about? What's the Father wanting to speak to me about? And we should all of us be able to say, this is what the Father is speaking to me about. This is what he's, what he's wanting to work in me. There's so many different things. But we, if we, if we, we're called into a relationship, and if you're not a Christian this morning, you're called into a relationship with God in which you can hear his voice. And we hear that his voice through in many um, in number of ways, but principally through reading the Bible. And as we read the Bible, we hear his voice, and we say, "Lord, this is what." And I write down what I feel God is speaking to me about. And through that day, I try and do what I believe God is speaking to me about. Trying to develop. I don't feel like I, I feel like I'm a beginner, as it were, a beginner in my relationship with God. But I've been a Christian for a long time. I want to hear God's voice, and I, I hope you are excited about it and proactive about it. That you want to hear God's voice. That you believe He does speak today. God has promised prophecy, so God speaks through prophecy. So in Acts two, when the Holy Spirit falls upon those first Christians, this is what Peter says. These people are not drunk, as you suppose, because they're all speaking in tongues. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel's in the last days. So are we in the last days? Do you think we're in the last days? Yes, we are in the last days. The last days are after Christ, before he comes. So in the last days... This, this is the period before Jesus comes again. In these days, in the last days, this is what he says. God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. He doesn't mean all people. He means as in Christians, people who know him. You'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Say that. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. So you see, in these last days, your sons and daughters will prophesy. You, are you a son? Are you a daughter? Well, and we're in the church, we're called to prophesy. This is a promise of the Old Testament being fulfilled in the New Testament. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. That's a way of receiving prophecy. Your old men will dream dreams. Another way of receiving prophecy. Even on my servants, both men and women, he's repeating that idea, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Say, and they will prophesy. You see, there's that repetition of the idea. Every Christians, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, in the last days, we're called, we've got this promise of prophecy on us. In 1 Corinthians 13, we have this idea. If we turn to uh, verses 8 to 12 of uh, 1 Corinthians, love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. When completeness comes, what is in part disappears. 
When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man or woman, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only reflection, as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And you see this, this promise in here, prophecies are going to cease. Tongues are going to be stilled. There is a time coming when there will not be the gifts of the Holy Spirit that we're talking about. But when is that time? The time is when completeness comes. What does that mean, when completeness comes? Well, he tells us, when we see God face to face and we know him fully, even as we are fully known. That is not in this age. Completeness is the coming and return of Jesus Christ to restore all things. At that time, prophecies and tongues and other gifts will cease. So the promise is this from Joel and in the New Testament is that in these last days, prophecy is for you and me, for sons and daughters. God wants to speak to you and through you. This is the promise for us. We should be excited about it, that we're the people of God who can hear his voice and walk with him. May we be like Samuel, like Samuel and we read in 1 Samuel 3.10, The Lord came and stood there, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel, and we could say, church, church. And Samuel said, or we could say the church said, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. May that be our heart. God wants to speak to you, through you. He wants to speak through you. We've just said he wants to speak to you. I'm just going to, how he speaks through us, and I'm particularly focusing on prophecy. What is prophecy? Propheteo. Wayne Grudem, from this book, says, and this is, this is the reduced version of his uh, long quote, telling something that God has spontaneously brought to mind. So just think about that. Try and get it in your memory. Telling something that God has spontaneously brought to mind. It's quite broad, isn't it? Quite a broad idea. It's not just telling the future, Nostradamus or something. It's not telling in a hundred years, in fifty years, and that this is going to happen. It's not not about that. There is prediction in prophecy. Most prophecy is not predictive. Most prophecy is just encouragement, as I'll, I'll show you. You all prophesy more than you think. You may not think it's prophecy, but just in a nutshell, whenever you feel prompted to encourage a brother or sister, maybe you send them a WhatsApp message saying, I was praying for you this morning, and I felt, I just want to encourage you that God... It says in one, you know, for example, John 3, 16, God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. And I feel that God wants to tell you this morning that he loves you and he demonstrated it by giving you his only son. You've prophesied. You've strengthened, you've encouraged, you've comforted someone. You may not think of it as prophecy, but because we tend to think of prophecy as prediction. Next week, you will do this. You will get on a train and you will sit down next to someone. You know, that sort of thing. 
It's broad. So it is telling something that God has spontaneously brought to mind. Paul says this in 14.3 of 1 Corinthians. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. So strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. That is the aim of prophecy. So that's love really, isn't it? To strengthen someone, to comfort someone, is to love them. So we could broaden that definition to this. Telling something that God has spontaneously brought to mind which brings strength, courage, and comfort. It strengthens. The idea of that strengthening, it's like building a house. That's the word, building a house. When you prophesy, the aim is to build them. Like brick on brick on brick, you are building them. And you're building the church as well. It encourages that word paraclesis. Like, if you remember when Jesus says, I will send you another comforter, the word is paraclete. In other words, someone who comes alongside you. So can you see that when you prophesy, you are doing, you are, the Holy Spirit is doing what he promises to come alongside people. That's how he often does his ministry, through you. So when Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans, I will send you another counselor to be with you. Yes, he fills us. But how do we often experience the strength and encouragement of the Holy Spirit? Through one another. We say to one another, I believe God is wanting to say this to you. And you experience what the Holy Spirit is wanting to say. Not just in some internal, always in some internal fashion. So he encourages us. He comforts us. Who doesn't need comfort? Through prophecy, we comfort each other. In our mourning, in our distress, in our struggles, in our fears, we comfort each other each other. Who doesn't need that? That's what prophecy is about. Telling something that God has spontaneously brought to mind which strengthens, encourages and comforts. Prophecy comes in many ways. Comes, it's delivered in many ways. So worship and praise, singing for example, can be prophecy when it's spontaneously brought to mind. So you see this idea of declaring and praising God. You declare that Jesus has been raised from the dead. He has ascended into heaven. He reigns over the nations. Now that is just truth. But when it's spontaneously brought to mind, it's also prophecy. And it's hard to differentiate between when you are preaching, teaching, and when you're prophesying. It's hard to differentiate. And it's not worry too much about it. But when something is spontaneously brought to mind like that, in a worship service, you might come up the front or you might from where you are talk to each other. When something's spontaneously brought to mind, it's praise. That is prophecy. Encouragement of each other is prophecy when it's spontaneously brought to mind. When you say to someone, I believe God wants to do this. You know, I was talking to somebody this morning and I felt a prophetic word for them. 
And in some ways, I had a prophetic word for them because I knew I was preaching on this. And it made me think about prophecy. And I hope that simply by speaking about this, you might think more about it and be more ready. And that's one of the good things about preaching through the Bible. You sort of touch on these topics and you get reminded of it. So when you bring praise and worship, that can be prophecy. When you bring encouragement to someone, that can be prophecy. Preaching can be prophetic now, teaching and pre- teaching is presented as a separate gift in the, in the Bible. He gave some to apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. The body of Christ has many gifts. But teaching, when, for example, you are preaching or teaching and the Holy Spirit inspires you to go in a different direction, that, now that can be a rabbit hole which, and it can be a waste of time, but sometimes it can be prophetic. So, for example, John Piper, uh, this, this, it says this about um, in an article that was written. Uh, One Sunday while preaching, this is John Piper was encouraging the people of Bethlehem Baptist Church to be involved in small groups, as we often encourage you, and start evangelistic Bible studies. At one point, he said, you might be working on the 34th floor of the IDS tower and maybe you should call your people together to have a small group meeting. Well, after the service, a woman who had been sitting in the area where he looked when he said this came up to him and said, why did you say that? I work on the 34th floor of the IDS tower and I've been praying about whether to start a small group. So you see... Preaching can be prophetic when it's spoken, when it's words that have been spontaneously brought to mind that strengthen, encourage, and comfort. Prophetic prophecy can also be directive. It can direct our lives. I like to think of it like this. I went out for a run yesterday, thinking about this subject, and. I felt God gave me some wisdom as I was, run- I was running along and I was praying about this subject and I was trying to listen to God. And this, this idea came into my mind. Now, Matt, you could say, Matt, how do you know it's from God? Well, I don't completely know it's from God, do I? None of us completely know that what we're going to say is from God. But does it strengthen? Will it strengthen? Will it encourage? Will it comfort? Will it help people? If it will do those things, then you can't go very wrong. You, you, you never, any, anything you share in terms of prophetic, you're never going to be completely sure you know it's from God. Sorry, you're just not. That's why you have to weigh it, which we'll touch on in a minute. But anyway, as I was running, um, I felt God gave me this idea of a map and compass. If you know what a compass does, a compass orient, orient, or, orients you, or orientates you to north, south, east, west, and points in between. A compass does not show you where to go. You can't follow a compass. Say, I want to get somewhere. You, you, you can't follow the compass. The only way you follow the compass is if you've got to have a map. The map has the detail of where to go. So, in many ways, the Word of God is like a compass for us orientates our lives. It orientates our lives in serving God, our mission, praying, how to know God. It's got so much, 
all the good stuff in it, it orientates all of our lives. But prophecy is often like the map. So I want, and, and this, isn't re, this isn't all the time by any means, but this does happen. I want you to hear, and I want you to get involved in missions. So for example, Hudson Taylor is a story I'm very fond of, felt the call of God to speak to him about going to China. Now, the compass is, oh, we, just, we do missions to all nations, don't we? But I'm sorry, if you're going to leave your nation and go to China, you're going to need to be pretty convinced that's from God, aren't you? And often God prophesies into that, speaks to us into that. So you've got a map and you've got a compass. And prophecy is like compass. It can be directive, as I'm saying. God's word is authoritative, but God can speak directively. So, for example, in Acts 13, now the church at Antioch, there were prophets, teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work, which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off, beginning their missionary journey. You can see there is direction that can come through prophecy as well. And I could go on, different, different examples. So for example, another, we'll give you another example. In 1 Timothy 1.18, Paul says this, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you. So that by recalling them, you might fight the battle well. So, Paul is saying, remember the prophecies you had, inspired speech brought to you, that directed you in your ministry. I want you to remember them, and I want to remind you of them. It's directive. It can be foretelling events, as I've just, it's not always foretelling events. It's often normally encouragement and so on. But foretelling events. So, for example, in Acts 11, we see this. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, caught, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did by sending their gifts to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. So it can be predictive as well. But I would say that's rarer than encouragement and worship. So he wants to speak to you through prophecy, but he also wants to speak through you through prophecy. How do you receive a prophecy? Paul says in 1 Corinthians, in our chapter we've been looking at, 14, 30 to 32, and if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop, for you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirit of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. There's a lot in there. So prophecy here is is called revelation from God. It's revelation. It comes to us. It comes in various ways. It comes through, we've seen, dreams. It comes through visions. It comes through 
impressions on the mind. It comes through, and this is how I'd encourage you to start, a word of scripture impressed on the mind for a specific application, for a specific person. And I'd encourage you to start like that. And I also hasten to add, if you want to be any, if you want to be, uh, um, if you want God to speak through you and not go off into weirdness, you need to be a student of the word of God because all your prophecies need to align with scripture. Okay? You've got, the more you read and love God's word, the more you've got in you that God can bring out. Because all your prophecies that you bring, encouragements and worship, are going to be in line with that, tech, with that scripture. But a good way to start is to bring scripture to people and say, I feel God wants to remind you today of this. Then maybe pray for them. It's a good way to start. It's a safe way to start. And you can grow from there. It comes in various ways, as I've said. Fit dreams, visions, impressions on the mind, words of scripture. How to give a prophecy? Well, prophecy is, off, is normally just spoken. But it can be sung. It can be enacted. So Agabus, on another occasion, ties himself hands and feet. And you get this in the Old Testament as well. Enaction, where you, you take hold of something. You take, maybe take hold of the glasses and say, God wants to give the church new vision. You see what I mean? It's just, but you see... That idea that you can enact things can be written down in letter form. Sometimes people will send me WhatsApps and so on of, of prophecies. When you give them in a church meeting, he gives us some direction and some guidelines here, which I can't, haven't got much time to talk, touch on, but I need to touch on them. It says here, two or three prophets should speak. The others should weigh carefully what's said. If revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop. So, two or three. Two or three. Why does he say two or three? Well, because of the context. He's writing to a church where there's prophecy after prophecy after prophecy, after prophecy, after prophecy, and you go home and you go, a lot said today. And you don't remember it, right? So the point being, there should be a limited number so that you can actually remember what's said. That, that's, that's what he's saying here. Don't have too many. So I'm sorry if you get told... Sorry, there's not going to be space today. We're not grieving the Holy Spirit because you didn't get space. We're actually honoring the Holy Spirit because it says two or three. I hope you understand that. And we all get that. Don't, get, don't take it too personally. We all, we all get told sometimes, oh, that's not, going to, that's not going to fit today. You just have to get over it. You do. You just have to, you just have to deal with your own pride. We all have to do it. I get it. I, I, that happens to me. Prophecy is to be weighed, not because God is fallible, but because we are fallible. And it says here to be weighed. And that's what differentiates us. We have to be careful here. People say, oh, prophecy doesn't exist today. Because in the Old Testament, when you prophesied, if you got it wrong, you got stoned. Like, with all due respect, 
Paul doesn't say that. Paul says way prophecy. And we're going to see in a bit. He says here, for example, 1 Thessalonians 5, do not quench the spirit or do not put out the spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. That's what Paul says for the New Testament. Don't stone people if they get it wrong. Rather, just weigh it. What's good, what's not good. Weighing, what is weighing? Sifting. The point of the weighing, I think, principally is this. Just making time and space for all of us to think through what's just been said. It's not like necessarily me getting up the front and going, uh, thank you, Philip, Phil, for sharing that picture about the haystack and how we've got to be taking in the harvest because there is... And um, We've been chatting over there and we actually feel you were wrong, Phil, what you've just said. Just hands up. Let's just take a poll. Who thinks Phil was wrong? Yeah, that's most of us. I can feel you're wrong. Carry on with worship. Thank you, Rachel. Let's carry on singing. Be awful, isn't it? But sifting or weighing, I think principally, is about us all having time to think. Let's weigh that up. What's it mean for me? It means the overseer of a meeting thinking, is there an app? do we need to pray about this a bit more? Do we need to maybe go away and think about it a bit more? He's saying, take it seriously, what's said. Write it down, think about it, pray about it. That's what I think he's really getting at. If revelation comes, someone who is sitting, sitting down, the first speaker should stop. Again, what does that mean? Again, in the context, the point is, I think, and you can study this yourself, but this is what I think he means, is that there were people in Corinth who were prophesying in the meeting who were dominating the meeting, not making space for others. And the point being is that we need to make space for each other. So there can be the two or three tongues with interpretation. There can be the two or three prophecies. And so we need to know ourselves. And I don't think that's our problem at all, actually. So... um, I think more our problem is that we prob- you probably don't do it. Some of you have never done it, so perhaps that's more what you need to hear. Um, but I would say this, just as an encouragement when you bring prophecies, try and be concise and clear because you want people to remember what you've said. Try and be c- concise what's and clear so that people can think, oh yes, That was about putting on the armour of God. You're encouraging us to put on the armour of God. Yes, I can can think about that. And um, so I think try and be concise and clear. We can grow in this and practice this in numbers of ways. But I would say it starts with you listening to God in your own personal relationship with God for yourself. If you're not listening to God in your own life for yourself... That's where it starts. And then you'll be the kind of person that will be able to hear God for other people as well. It's a good thing to practice in community groups, small group settings. Make space to prophesy. Come to prayer meetings where you can learn and see other people doing this. And try it out yourself in that kind of setting. 
as I've said, you won't go wrong if in the end you're seeking to love people, strengthen, encourage, and comfort them. You know, I've had people come to this church, often visitors, and have been full of vitriol. And they, I mean, I've had letters from them. One, per, one particular person told me how, the God, how God was so angry with us and, and, and so annoyed with us and that we were so off the rails and so grieving him and all the rest of it. And um, I'm glad she gave it to me and I didn't give her the chance to go to the microphone. But if you are seeking to build up the church to strengthen encouragement and comfort, you can't go very wrong, can you? So just bear that in mind. Have a go. As I've said, start by bringing a scripture to people that you feel highlighted on your heart. So the band's going to come up. We're going to make some time at some point. We're going to prophesy. We're going to pray for each other, prophesy over each other as, as, as we go through this meeting. But our response is simply this, isn't it? Let's be eager to hear prophecy and be eager to give prophecy. God wants to speak to you and through you. Follow the way of love. Eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophesy. Let's be eager. Now, you may be full of questions this morning. I appreciate this is a complex subject, but don't let those questions, ask those questions. If you've got questions, ask them. If you've got concerns, ask those. Talk with them. Talk to a leader. Talk to me. Talk to friends. But be eager to learn and grow in this prophecy, uh, the gift of prophecy. If you've stopped using it, start using it. If, if, you love, do you, if you love the church, God gives, the Father gives good gifts to his people so that you can build the church. And how do you build the church? through gifts, but through prophecy. Paul says this, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. You need strengthening, don't you? You need encouragement, you need comfort through you. God wants to speak through you to others to strengthen encouragement and, com and comfort them. Even today, what does God want to say through you today? As we are having coffee at the end and you're talking with someone, maybe God wants to bring a, a prophetic encouragement to them today. Let's be eager. Let's be ready. Let's stand together. Let's worship and then we'll see where we go after that. <laughs>